1: Welcome to Medicine and Health with Dr. Paul Anderson. This is a show about opening up the often mysterious world of how doctors think. The goal? To empower the listener to gain access to the best health care possible.
0: Good day, and welcome to Medicine and Health with Dr. Paul Anderson, and that's me. I'm Dr. Paul, coming to you today from Anderson Medical Specialty Associates here in Seattle, Washington, which is our clinic. It's a multi-physician clinic, and we specialize in the care of people who have chronic illness and cancer. And we've been doing a series about uh, uh, things that are in your diet, and uh, and and not only what you eat, such as the big things, um, you know the the uh you know vegetables versus fruits versus fats etc but but also the what we call the little things the the micronutrients and one of the reasons to to do this is uh a lot of the topics are um things that patients have asked for over the years and they you know they basically said could you just you know it'd be great if you could record a, a explanation of of this this thing you're telling me about that seems very scientific and um and yet uh, you you're giving me a good explanation about it that I can understand so we uh, we had a few uh shows a little bit back on uh, macronutrients so you know what is what is the ideal uh, plate look like when you put it together for a meal you know how much of this should it have and that and then we've done a series of things uh about the actual micronutrients and so things like the vitamins and minerals and uh, amino acids that come from the proteins and uh, the different types of fatty acids. And we had a whole show on, you know, good fats and bad fats and all of that. And uh, really the the last in the group uh, that uh, we want to look at, um, and it segues into next week's show, which is all about blood sugar, but this week's show is where does the blood sugar come from, essentially, and that's what are carbohydrates. And it's, it's sort of a boring-sounding name, but it's um, really an important part of what's in your food. And one of the things that we see with folks is start to have some blood sugar troubles. And as I say, next week we'll talk about it more from the, uh, you know, the I have high or low blood sugar or I have this or that problem with my blood sugar. That point of view. But this week in, in preparation for that, the, um, thought is, uh, what, what is this thing we call our blood sugar and where does it come from? And, uh, why is it that eating one way versus another will change that particular measurement in my blood? And, uh, what, what, what you'll find out next week when we talk about it is the, the long-term effects of too much or too little blood sugar aren't good for you. So we, it's a good thing to know about. So in uh, the series, and like I say, this is the last one on micronutrients, as we talked about the fatty acids and antioxidants and amino acids. So a carbohydrate is essentially a big, long, fancy name for a sugar. And a sugar um, is an important part of uh, mostly plant life. Um, there are some sugar forms that animals will hold in them, and that's a whole other story. But most of our carbohydrates are sugars. So if you hear people talk about carbs or carbohydrates, they're talking about different types of sugars. And so the problem that will happen is, uh, the word carbohydrate is, is something that was, uh, uh, defined by biochemists. And biochemists are very, very, they're thinking about the very smallest molecules. And, um, they obviously know where they fit into human health. But what they're really worried about is, what does this molecule look like, how is it shaped, and uh, how does it fit into a plant or an animal, and you know, wh- what does it react with? Well, for your purposes, unless you are a biochemist, you're probably not so interested in that sort of thing, but you probably would want to know a few things about uh, carbohydrates and the way that they uh, react in your body to produce better or worse health, and that's, as I say, part of our topic next week as well. So, the first thing is going to be that a carbohydrate is uh, a sugar of different types. So you've probably heard or seen on a commercial somewhere, there's a lot of things discussed on, you know, online and on commercials about carbohydrates. And you've probably heard something like, well, this has a lot of complex carbohydrates in it, or these are high fiber carbohydrates, or, uh, this one is a low carbohydrate snack, something like that. Well, if you just substitute the term uh, sugar for carbohydrate, then that usually will get you where you need to go as far as nutritional value. And on uh, our shows where we talked about, you know, um, how much of what I eat should have sugars versus fats versus protein and things, uh, we talked about your different proportions of, uh, you know, of, of sugars that should be in there. But here's the next thing to consider. Um n- Saying the word carbohydrate because it's something that a biochemist came up with. What you need to know is that it means lots of different things. So, kind of like on our story that we had about amino acids, where we're talking about, you know, a single protein can have many, many amino acids in, it and they're all different names and different purposes. That's important. But the other thing is, is that a carbohydrate can mean a really big, giant molecule that your body has a very hard time breaking down, or it can mean a little, tiny molecule that absorbs right away as a simple sugar. So when something is said to have X grams of carbohydrates in it, again, we just replace the word sugar for carbohydrate, but then what you want to look at is usually on the nutrition label or the nutrition facts, it will say um, total carbohydrates, so many grams, and then... You'll see down below that uh, grams of fiber, X number of grams also. And then sometimes, uh, if it's uh, especially nutritional supplements, they may actually break it down even further. So why do they have these different categories if carbohydrate means sugar? Well, here's the first thing. Uh most of the uh, sugar molecules are really rings and uh glucose is the one that our body uses a lot of and then you've heard of fructose and maybe maltose and beer or something like that. Um, those are all sugars. So when we have them and we get them from a food somehow, the first thing we have to figure out is, is it already in the little ring? So it's something like glucose or dextrose or you know, fructose or sucrose or something. Or do I have a whole bunch of them stuck together in a big mass? And that's called a complex carbohydrate. So if you take and you eat something like, um, a, let's, let's just say for whatever reason you wanted to do this, uh, you took, you know, a raw piece of, uh, you know, a wheat stalk and you took the wheat out of it and uh, you crushed it a little bit with a rock, you know, like they used to do and then you just ate the the wheat flour or the wheat grind. In there you would have a little bit of fat, you'd have a little bit of protein and then you'd have a whole bunch of different kind of carbohydrates. But most of what would be in there would be a semi-complex carbohydrate that instead of one little ring would be a whole bunch of them all stuck together. And that's an important thing to think about. Your body then has to take that big thing that's all stuck together and break it down. And it does this kind of like we talked about with the amino acids. You know, you eat a protein and your body breaks it down to the, the amino acids we can use. Well, you eat a big complex carbohydrate. Your body has to take and use enzymes and a little bit of acid and some other things and break it down into uh, single sugars. And there's actually specialized little enzymes at the uh at the small intestine to help break it down and put the sugar inside, whereas if you take and let's say you take uh you know a spoonful of uh white sugar sucrose uh it's a little tiny molecule and it only has to break one bond and it's ready to go, and the sugar goes right into your system, so not all carbohydrates are are created equally. So let's say, and this will come up next week, so it's a good kind of pre, uh, preamble to next week's talk. Let's say that you're uh, pre-diabetic or diabetic, and you're you're concerned about your carbohydrate intake because carbohydrates turn to sugar, and you already have a blood sugar regulation problem. So you look at a package, and you got two packages of stuff, and let's say that that stuff is two kinds of food that you want to eat, and they both say that a serving has 25 grams of carbohydrate in it. Okay. Well, here's the thing. If you look, and I'll use two really kind of far apart examples that you would already know from what I'm going to tell you, they'd be different, but let's just you know use that because I think that'll hit home. If one is a can of soda pop, and it says it has 25 grams of carbohydrate, which is actually kind of low for soda pop, um, what you should know about that is those are going to be mostly simple sugars, the small ones, and you're, they're going to absorb really quickly. So you drink that soda pop. It, the reason it tastes sweet is it has simple sugars in it, and they go in and they get broken up right away. And boom, they're in your blood. So if you drink a can of soda pop and then you take your blood sugar before and after, you'll see a, a big fast spike. Okay. Then let's say you go over and you have you've been you know to the uh, prepackaged section of the uh, you know the vegetable area, and you've got a little single serving of of uh, broccoli. Okay. Now, obviously we would all say, well, I, I know there's a difference between soda pop and broccoli. Um, which is true. Uh, but you look on there and it, and it says, oh my, there's 25 grams of carbohydrate in this broccoli. Hmm. Does that mean my blood sugar is going to go up as much with the broccoli as it would with the soda pop? So it doesn't make any difference. I'll, I'll just drink soda pop instead of eating broccoli. Well, it, it, might sound funny to you, but there are people who do education sometimes for people with blood sugar problems, and up until recently, they had this axiom, uh, uh, the thing they say always, which was uh, a carbohydrate is a carbohydrate, meaning the pop and the broccoli are exactly the same impact on your blood sugar. Well, there's there's nothing further from the truth, actually, um, and, and they're stopping saying that now for the most part, but if you think about it, uh, something like a, a package of broccoli has got 25 grams of carbohydrate. As opposed to the can of soda pop that's got, uh, 25 grams of simple sugars pure. There's no, there's no fiber in most soda pop. There's no anything else in there. You go to the broccoli, then you look down below. What you're going to see is that of the 25 grams of carbohydrate in the broccoli, um, 12 of them, so almost half of them are going to be fiber fiber is a complex carbohydrate that you don't really digest as sugar. So you actually can subtract that from the total carbohydrate count. So we take 12 from 25, we get 13 grams in of other carbohydrates. They're still what we call complex or big complex molecules. Your body still has to work very hard to break that 13 grams of complex carb from your broccoli down into 13 grams of sugar. And so what you'll see is, and uh, in, I don't recommend that you do this, but people have done it and it's published in literature and all that stuff. Um, if you sit down and you take your blood sugar with a meter uh, and you haven't eaten and, and then you drink a can of soda pop that's got you know, 25, 35, 40 grams of carbohydrate in it. And then you take your blood sugar, half hour, hour after, you'll see a huge spike. If you do the same thing, but you eat, uh, you know, you steam the broccoli or stir fry it or something like that, uh, you sometimes will see absolutely no spike in your blood sugar, even though technically you got 13 grams of carbohydrate from that broccoli. And the reason for all of that, of course, is that the broccoli not only has the fiber, which you're not going to digest, meaning you don't get any sugar value out of that, but it's got the other uh, 13 grams of carbs that are all stuck in these big molecules that your body has to expend energy to break down. So next week when we're talking about blood sugar problems and diabetes and hypoglycemia and all that, keep that in mind that uh, carbohydrate is a big term that means anything from a giant mass of sugars are stuck together to little tiny sugars. And if you remember the example of a can of soda pop, which is going to spike your blood sugar really quickly, or, or you could eat, you know, a couple spoonfuls of white sugar or honey, same thing, going to spike your blood sugar because it's simple versus, uh, say a serving of a vegetable that has the same amount of carbohydrate, like broccoli, uh, you know, or asparagus or kale or, uh, anything else, there's a, totally different way that your body is going to deal with those things. Now, if you don't have blood sugar problems, so to speak, it's still not good for you to um, have excessive amounts of simple sugars because – What simple sugars do is they put a big stress on the insulin control system in the body. That's the blood sugar control system. And next week, we'll talk about what that stress does to your body. But you need to limit the amount of these simple sugars that are going into you because they are the ones that cause more downstream damage. And we'll talk about that coming up next week. On the other end of the spectrum, these things that have high amounts of complex carbohydrate then are in a whole spectrum as well. So people will say, well, then what's the difference between you use the example of, say, the broccoli? Okay and i don't know why i'm picking on broccoli but it just it's it seems like something that a lot of people eat uh some people really hate it so apologize if you hate it but the the thing to consider there is the difference is then there's a spectrum of complex carbohydrates that kind of go from things that are mostly fiber uh such as things uh like you know uh kale and uh spinach and Uh, Broccoli and asparagus and the kind of the darker end of the spectrum of the vegetable world. And then right down below that, you have a whole spectrum that encompasses uh, fruit. And the thing that you want to remember with fruit is unless the fruit has a lot of fiber in it, the fruit is going to have a lot of fructose, which is a quick-burning sugar. And so the fruit's going to be closer to the can of soda pop, actually, than it is to broccoli. So you have to be very careful about large quantities of fruit. And we'll talk about that next week, too. Then there's the whole topic of grains. And here's the thing with grains. If, if you were doing what I said earlier and you were out foraging and you saw grains and you thought, well, I wonder if I can eat those. Okay. If you've ever been around, you know, wheat or rye or other grains like that and, and you take it raw, you know, right off the stock and you put it in your mouth, you know, what happens is it's hard and you know, it's like, "Mm, I don't even know if I can chew this up. So what did the, you know, what indigenous peoples do? They would take and they would put it on a stone and they would grind it down to flour. And then they would put that flour into something they were cooking and they would eat it. And so they got a really complex carbohydrate out of that flour that they made. Almost none of us are grinding our own flour from grain anymore. And so the flour that we get or that is put into the food that we're consuming is different than say the flour that our forefathers would have done where they ground it themselves and ate it the same day. We're coming up on a break here in just a minute, but uh, after the break, what we want to talk about then is these spectrums of complex carbohydrates, you want to be aware of which ones are closer to the broccoli end of the spectrum and which ones are closer to the soda pop end of the spectrum so that you don't inadvertently get too much sugar by eating something you think is healthy otherwise. So I'm Dr. Paul Anderson with Medicine and Health with Dr. Paul Anderson. We're going to go to a break and we'll be back in just a minute.
1: Anderson Medical Specialty Associates is the clinic that Dr. Anderson founded to provide high quality, integrative medical care to those with cancer and chronic illnesses. In over 20 years of work with this patient population and research into the best practices for treatment, this clinic provides the highest level of care. Their focuses include all types of cancer autoimmune diseases such as multiple sclerosis and lupus, as well as chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, and chronic infections such as Lyme and Lyme-like illness. Their only goal is to help each person find the best path to health for their individual needs. Located in Seattle, Washington, visit the clinic website, www.amsa, the number one Dot .com or call the clinic at
0: 206-629-2186. And we're back with Medicine and Health with Dr. Paul Anderson. That's me. I'm Dr. Paul. Today we're talking about uh, micronutrients in our little uh, series on micronutrients and we're we're talking about uh, the carbohydrate world and and before we we Tried to frame the, uh, the discussion around the idea that carbohydrate is a term that biochemists made up and, uh, it includes a very large amount of sugar substances, but some are actual fast burning sugars and some are things like fiber and complex items, et cetera. So when we think about this, when right up to the work up to the, um, to the break that we had, we were talking about um, the difference between, I gave a spectrum of a can of soda pop and uh, broccoli. <laughs> and y- if you want to do some looking into this, the, probably some of the most um, uh, user-friendly information that I have ever seen in respect to this is uh, around the glycemic index, G-L-Y-C-E-M-I-C index. And you can just Google that and you'll find a, a plethora of websites. And what what they will tell you is essentially a um, spectrum of sugars that are found in the foods that we eat or that we might want to think to eat. And so then this kind of goes back to the uh, previous discussion that we were having over, well, why would I care? Well, next week we're going to talk about blood sugar problems. And so certainly if you have diabetes or hypoglycemia or, you know, one of the or pre-diabetes you're trying to prevent, um, you're going to care because you're going to be told to monitor your carbohydrate intake, et cetera. But even if you don't, um, something that we'll talk about next week more, but I just introduced before the break, is that um, when you have quick-burning sugars, so the soda pop end of the spectrum, right? When you have quick-burning sugars going to your body, especially in high amounts, you stress the insulin and the glucagon system, which is the system that helps to control your blood sugar. And that actually creates a stress hormone response in your body. So a lot of us, when we're young, you know, we might have eaten a lot of sugar and never had any problem with it, or maybe it made us a little hyper or whatever. But what we see is that um, when we do this over time and we hit that stress system over and over with too much simple sugars, we wind up having uh, too much of this uh, chemical stress in the body, and it actually leads to inflammation. And the inflammation is not so good, and we're going to talk about that next week. So what do we make of this? Well, if you go on and you look at the glycemic index or anything related to that, essentially they'll talk about a spectrum, and it's similar to my spectrum of a can of soda pop on one end and broccoli on the other. But the thing that we were working up to before the break really has to do with, well, what about everything in between? Okay, so it sounds uh, from the discussion uh Dr. Anderson, like if I if I eat broccoli or, you know, kale and stuff, I'm I don't have to worry too much about those carbohydrates. And generally that's true, you know, unless you're on a very particular diet. But what about everything in between? And I know, okay, I'm not going to eat sugar, soda pop or something like that. Well, everything in between is rated based on two major things. One is how much fiber it has in it, because that the fiber part doesn't really break down and turn into sugar that you can eat. And the other part is, how much energy does your body have to expend to get the sugar out of that food? Uh, because if you have an expensive energy to get the sugar out, and there's only 10, 12, 13 grams of that sugar, by the time you burn all the energy to get the sugar out of the food, it's it's kind of a net, uh, a net zero almost in some cases. So what does that mean, you know, from a health point of view? Well, again most vegetables that are not root vegetables are going to be very slow burning so if you think of something you know like a uh, like a bell pepper or uh, you know uh, broccoli or collards or uh, most of the things that would go into most salads and stuff like that it's are going to be pretty pretty hard to burn that stuff up then you've got things like root vegetables um and they're in a spectrum. If you take white potatoes, they burn more quickly because the carbohydrate is simpler. Uh, you take carrots, a little bit harder to burn, but still kind of on the simple end. Uh, sugar beets, they get their name because they're full of sugar. And so sugar beets, a little, they got fiber, but they got a lot of sugar in them. And, and then you go, you know, uh, Up a little bit further and then you get into, you know, things like turnips and rutabagas and stuff, the stuff that doesn't have as much flavor to us. The reason it doesn't have as much flavor as say a white potato is it's much harder for the body to get any sugar out of those things. So when we have people, uh, who are on a carbohydrate restricted diet and, and we're trying to give them advice about, you know, they want to have something mashed up, you know, or something to eat, uh, from the root world, if you're on the, Uh, the, the less sugary end, such as a parsnip or a turnip or a rutabaga, it actually has a lot less carbohydrate impact. It'll spike your blood sugar less. The other thing that a lot of diabetics will do is, uh, because white potatoes will spike the blood sugar, you know, unless you eat very, very tiny amounts of them, uh, is they will actually do, uh, cauliflower. They'll cook cauliflower put it through a blender or a masher or a ricer or something and it it actually looks just like mashed potatoes uh and it it has a much much lower sugar load than uh, a mashed potato would why because it's mostly fiber even though it looks the same so this is the the whole thing that you see in in trying to manage okay i'm going to try and keep um to you know 20 grams of carbohydrates each meal or 30 or 50 or whatever your doctor's told you. Well, gosh, you know, I mean, you you already can see that if you, you have one can of soda, you've already blown that, right? So let's say I'm going to eat real food. Well, then I want to look at I want them complex. I want them in the plant and more than anything. I want to be careful with fruit. And we always, you know, we lump fruit and vegetables together. But really, when it comes to sugar, see, the fruit, the reason fruit is sweeter is that it has a lot of fructose, the fruit sugar and that stuff gets into your bloodstream immediately so it will also create uh an increase in that in that sugar response so you want to keep your fruit servings fairly low keep your complex carb servings higher what i'd like to talk about before we go to our next break, the rest of the time is uh so okay, we kind of get the idea soda pop on one end and broccoli on the other. We kind of get the idea that uh most vegetables are kind of hard to get the sugars out of anyway, so they're kind of free foods you know, or we can eat a lot of vegetables not not a big you know not a big issue really, and that's true to to the the most part with uh with blood sugar problems then what do we do with these other things such as the root vegetables which have a little bit more and what we talked about there is um look at the glycemic index uh it's in, online there'll be you know 40 different websites and they all come from the same research uh and look at the vegetable of your choice and you'll see where it falls and so does it fall more on the very complex end or does it fall more on the simple end and if it falls on the complex end, you can have more, but you also are going to get less sugar out of it. And then the other big group that comes that can be a large portion of people's diets is actually grains, grains and flours and things like that. So right before the break, what we were talking about was if we did what our, our forefathers did with grains, um, and that is you would, you know, harvest it. And, um, for the most part, you would grind up what you were going to, um, uh, what you were going to use in your food for that day or that meal. So you would literally take it to the stone and grind it up and throw it in whatever you're making. That's very different from the flour that your baker uses or the flour that you go and buy and make your food with. And the reason is multiple. If you literally sat and ground your own grain, uh, so if you literally sat and ground your own grain, uh, you're going to get a number of things in there. One is you're going to get the, uh, the germ, which is the fatty part, and that's taken out of most commercial flour. And that has vitamin E and other goodies in it that you don't get in regular flour and baked goods. The next thing is you're going to have a lot higher fiber content, so it's going to be more on the broccoli end of things. And then you're going to have the carbohydrate, which is fairly simple, that's going to come from the grain itself. So that's if you ground it yourself like our forefathers did, and you ground just enough for your meal right now. On the other end, you can't do that. So General Mills or somebody can't go and, you know, whole ground grain and put it in a bag and have it be shelf-stable. It doesn't last. And that's the big problem with whole grains is they're not really whole grains anymore. They have to take the germ out and they have to take these other things out in order to keep the flour stable. And so... The sort of the, in my mind, you know, chemically speaking, the bottom of the curve of, of flour uh, was, you know, in the 1800s when they developed the, you know, whole enriched flour or white bleached enriched flour. What it meant was is that they took and they took all of the nutrients out of the flour so that the, what was left over was just simple carbohydrates to make flour and that's very shelf-stable, and they would add chemical versions of certain vitamins back into it so that the people wouldn't get deficient, but they were not the same vitamins that they took out before. And so you, you have this substance that's sort of like, you know, what great-grandma would have had from grinding it herself, but it's devoid of the nutrients, and it's a big sugar load. So if you take and you look at something like whole flour or a whole flour-baked product, You're gonna have, you're going to be very much on what? Which end? Is it gonna be more on the, uh, you know, on the broccoli end or is it gonna be more on the, on the, uh, soda pop end? Well, actually it's more on the soda pop end. So things that come from baked food, baked goods, things that come from flours generally are gonna be very high carbohydrate, high simple sugar. And that's why people have to be very careful if they have blood sugar problems in eating things that are breads, for instance, uh, most baked goods, because not only is there usually flour, there's sugar added and there's other stuff in there. And people will say, well, I go and, and I get, uh, you know, I get the, the dark bread, the, the whole grain brown version. Well, there's big problem there is, is that you can add you know, you can and and again, if we go back to like up until recent years, the only whole grain breads really were just white flour that had molasses and things added to it to darken it up. It wasn't really whole grain bread. So you got the same amount of sugar out of it. But then the other thing is and nowadays you can go and I was just looking uh kinda prepping for the show, I was at the grocery store and I was looking at the, the whole grain bread area and it's just blown up. You know, there's there's all these Cool kinds of breads that have added nuts and seeds and and uh, twigs and everything else in them, <laughs> seemingly. And you look at the uh, back and you look at the information and it does improve it, so it moves it away from the soda pop end of the spectrum. But it doesn't really make it a whole lot better. You're still getting a pretty good carbohydrate load, especially if you're diabetic. Um, so you do have to be extremely careful with these new sort of designer breads and stuff. Read the label very carefully. And, and here's something, uh, that you can use as a general guideline. So let's, let's take away, uh, severe diabetes right now and uh, weight loss and things. Let's just say you're healthy. You don't have any problem with eating, you know, say wheat or whatever. There's no issues with that. And, and you want to have some bread. Okay. When you're looking and you're thinking, okay, I want my bread to be more on the broccoli end of the spectrum than the soda pop end of the spectrum. Um, what you want to look for first, look at the back on the uh, nutrition label, and you want to look for how they break out total carbohydrate per serving versus the fiber per serving. And usually every label will have at least that information. Sometimes then they will have divided up into the kinds of fiber and all that, but that's that's much more rare. So let's just go simple here. Let's say that that the bread that you're looking at says uh, you've got two packages of bread. And they say uh, a serving is two slices because most of the time we eat two slices of bread, right? So they say a serving is two slices. Cool. So I know in two slices I'm going to get this much carbohydrate. And let's say that it says two slices uh, on bread number one here has uh, 80 grams of carbohydrate. And uh, bread number two over here has 90 grams. And so you think, oh, well, the one with 90 grams is going to be more sugar. But then, if you look down and you see bread number one with 80 grams has got 5 grams of fiber, (laughs) you can do simple math and say, I'll take the 5 grams away from the 80 and what do I get? I get 75. Well, that's going to be 75 grams of basically pure sugar that you're eating. It doesn't help that it's in bread, it's just going to go right in. So, guess what? That's going to be more on the uh, soda pop end of the spectrum. You look at your 90-gram carbohydrate bread, and you see that it has 30 grams of fiber. Let's say they've, they've added a bunch of you know seeds and hulls and whatever they added into it, 30 grams of fiber. So that means you've got 60 grams of, of carbohydrate. You actually get less carbohydrate out of that one with the bigger fiber number than you do out of the first one. So these are... Um, these are things to keep in mind when you're looking at things. Now, there's a lot of reasons and we'll talk about it a bit next week and we talked on other shows about specific diets. It, most of the time with our, with our diabetic patients, our hypoglycemic patients and uh, people with pre-diabetes, we will try and have them restrict grain intake altogether. And I, and that kind of goes against, um, you know what we mo- most of us grew up eating, you know things like pasta and bread and stuff like that. but what you're trying to do is you're trying to get your carbohydrates from the higher glycemic index end of the spectrum you're trying to get them from the 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 vegetable material that's harder to break down, et cetera, so that you don't get these big spikes of sugar. And whether you're trying to lose weight or cut your blood sugar down or trying to reduce your insulin or whatever your goal is, that's that's goal number one, really. So what we've been talking about in this section is that it was okay. So we kind of you know everyone can get the idea that you got a soda pop end of the spectrum and and you got you know broccoli on the other end. But what about everything in between? And we've talked about how even things like a slice of bread can be very different from one type to the next. And so you do want to read labels. And 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 the bottom line there that we want to go back to is you want to think about the. Um, The amount of total carbohydrate, but also the amount of fiber in there. And for all intents and purposes, you can subtract the fiber from the total carbohydrate. So let's say your goal in a meal is to have, um, you know, let's say 50 grams of carbohydrate. And you look at, you know, you look at the nutrition information on everything. Well, you don't want to throw it all away by having a soda pop. So you look at everything else. And so you got 25 grams of carbohydrate in your broccoli, but you look there on the label and it's, you know, half of it is fiber. So you got what 12, 13 grams of, you know, of true carbohydrate. Well, it still leaves you, you know, 35, 40 grams to play around with for the rest of it. And so if you do that and you're looking and you're worried about, you know, sugars, look at the label, take away the fiber, and that'll be your net, your net carbs really will be the amount of sugar that you're going to get out of that food. And that's an important distinction to make. So today we're talking about sugars, uh, carbohydrates, things like that. And next week we're going to talk about blood sugar problems and what we do about them and how people, uh, can live with them and uh, get healthier with them. We're headed into a break here, and we spent the last two sections talking about this this idea of carbohydrates and sugars and all. And so we want to spend the last uh, section right after our next break looking at uh, some, some questions that have been sent in and cases. So we'll be right back.
1: Anderson Medical Specialty Associates is the clinic that Dr. Anderson founded to provide high-quality, integrative medical care to those with cancer and chronic illnesses. In over 20 years of work with this patient population and research into the best practices for treatment, this clinic provides the highest level of care. Their focuses include all types of cancer— autoimmune diseases such as multiple sclerosis and lupus as well as chronic fatigue syndrome fibromyalgia and chronic infections such as Lyme and Lyme-like illness their only goal is to help each person find the best path to health for their individual needs located in Seattle Washington visit the clinic website www.amsa the number 1 .com or call the clinic at 206-629-2186.
0: Welcome back to Medicine and Health with Dr. Paul Anderson. I'm Dr. Paul, and today we're talking about uh, sugar, basically. Uh, it's a happy topic for most people, or uh, carbohydrates. And this is a series, of course, on um, yeah, the the big and the little parts of our diet. And it's leading up to some things that we're going to be talking about coming up here. So next week, our topic is uh, blood sugar. And, uh, you know, most people either themselves or in their family have somebody who has a blood sugar problem, whether it's high blood sugar or pre-diabetes or, or hypoglycemia or something. So that, that show is kind of all about this. So this is a really good, uh, kind of preamble to that. And one of the reasons that I wanted to do a whole series talking about, uh, diet and the little and the big parts of the diet and, you know, why is it, I can't eat uh, two things that have the same amount of carbs and get the same blood sugar afterwards and all that, is a a lot of the things that we talk about, especially with uh, integrative medicine where we're trying to use the best of of the the Western medical model but also the best of dietary therapies and nutrition therapies and uh, nutrients and things, um, is – Diet becomes a real big cornerstone of that. So you know the the old adage "you are what you eat" is 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 essentially true. Your grandmother was actually right. Um, and and one of the things that we talked about is the world has changed and food has changed. So uh, so the things that you know my parents and grandparents ate were were foundationally different than the same foods are for you and I nowadays that we're eating. So I think diet becomes more and more important. And I I, I had said we want to spend this last section of the show. Uh, looking at the, uh, uh, you know, so now we've talked about the spectrum of carbohydrates, which are just basically sugars. And they can be simple and get in our blood quick and spike our blood sugar and create all that bad inflammation. Or they can be very complex and slow burning. And not really spike our blood sugar. And I gave the sort of silly example of a can of soda pop on one end and broccoli on the other end. And, and if you really want to get into this, uh, glycemic index, G-L-Y-C-E-M-I-C, glycemic index, uh, there's many, many websites and they're, they're all come, they all have the same basic range on them. And they'll show you where the food you're thinking about fits in the spectrum between kind of pure sugar and something that's basically all fiber and the carbohydrate count might be the same, but the amount of blood sugar change, totally different. Very important concept. So in our last section, we want to segue that to uh, some questions that have been sent in and also uh, some, some case examples. And the, the, the first one is a gentleman um, and we're going back a, a large number of years, over 20 years now. And, I, and I, had, uh, if you think about 20 years ago, there's, there was a lot less talk about car, you know, nowadays you hear about carbohydrates all the time, even mm-hmm. if it's bad information. So you, you know, there's infomercials about carbohydrates. So everybody's heard the term they've heard about back then. It was really not something anyone was talking about 20 plus years ago, uh, because they were in that mode, like I said at the beginning of the show of, uh, uh, uh carbohydrates, a carbohydrate doesn't matter if I have 50 from So a carbohydrate's a carbohydrate and it doesn't matter if, if I have 50 from a can of pop or if I have 50 from, you know, a a pile of broccoli, it's all the same. Well, we know that's not true now. Well, back then it was a little bit more of an edgy idea, I guess. So we had this guy come in and I'd been reading, you know, a lot about this and doing nutrient therapy and things. And he was going to, his, his triglycerides were really high and his Cholesterol was up and everything and, and he was a thin guy. He wasn't heavy or anything, but his man, his blood, his blood was looking bad. And, um, yeah, he was going to have to go on this, these new kind of drugs that we had called statins. And now the, of course they're old drugs and, and he didn't want to. And I said, look, I said, I've been, I've been studying about this and I've been looking into it. And, um, here's a book. Try this. Take this book, read it, try and mold your diet around it. And at the time, uh, it was a book by Barry Sears called The Zone Diet. And it's now it's an old time book. Uh, but it was, it was fairly new at the time. And it was all about this idea of, 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 carbohydrates are not all created equal. We have to have good protein. We have to have good fat and we have to have a certain amount of carbs, if we want to get them from like vegetables and things. And he says, all right, I'll do that. Um, and, uh, I said, it's, it's the only thing other than drugs, you know, that's going to maybe change it. So he came back. The first month was a little rough because it's kind of a big change. He was, he was a big pasta eater and stuff and you have to cut the pasta down and all that. Uh, two, three months go by at month number four, we rechecked his blood and his triglycerides had dropped in half, meaning They went from very dangerously high to very, very painfully normal. His total cholesterol had gone down by 40%, and again, from not-so-good high down low. And the so-called bad cholesterol, good cholesterol ratio totally changed towards the good cholesterol. And, and here again, this is a guy who was having early problems with this and, uh, you know, his lab showed it. He didn't want to take drugs. And, um, we were able to completely keep him from needing any drugs just by shifting his diet. And the other thing he noticed was his energy was better. He was sleeping better. And so this sort of got me into looking more into this. And that's where some of these ideas we're talking about earlier about all the inflammation that extra sugar causes came uh, about is starting to read the research about this and finding out gee even if i'm not gaining weight if i'm eating these quick burning sugars all the time i'm putting out insulin to you know to get the sugar put away but the insulin's creating inflammation in the background and that actually can create joint pain and fatigue and all kinds of stuff and so he was really the first person and you know if if you're a doctor you what you know is that your patients teach you more about medicine than anything else does. He really got my attention. So I started doing this with more and more patients and, and I would, you know, give him the book and say, read this and try it. And, and since then we've evolved, you know, a little bit. We use maybe different things or whatever, but same idea. And so. We had people, you know, people who needed to lose weight, they would lose weight and their cholesterol would get better and their blood sugar would get better. People who didn't need to lose weight, if their diet was properly balanced, they wouldn't lose weight, but their cholesterol and their triglycerides would still drop and their blood sugar would go down. So over those last 20 years, we've had many cases of people who had prediabetes or pre-hypercholesterolemia or, or plain old high triglyceride, high, high cholesterol, um, completely go back to normal by radically Changing their diet to a balanced diet and the biggest part of it is, you know, there's the, there's the fat and the protein we've talked about before that has to be there in proper amounts and good clean ones, but the carbohydrates have to be at the higher, uh, at the higher Complex and at the higher fiber, and, and in most people, that means, you know, cutting out most of the grains and bread and pasta and stuff like that. But really, what it means is accentuating vegetables. And so, again, grandma was right, you know, eat your vegetables. She, she, she wasn't lying to you there. Um, the other thing I, I wanted to talk about, we had a few minutes left here Was some cases just, um, and, and the first one is triggered by an email I got that said, Would you bring this up on the radio show? And it says, um, I am a 48 year old uh, woman and I've had fibromyalgia, uh, since at least the age of 40, but I think I had it before that. And we've had, we talked a lot about fibromyalgia. It's a chronic, uh, often debilitating pain and fatigue syndrome. Uh, and she says, I know you've treated a lot of those patients and I want to know if there's anything that you've seen, uh, along with dietary change that uh, would help fibromyalgia. And so one of the things that we saw in our fibromyalgia patients, which was really interesting, uh, to us was the, the diet would, and this is not true of everybody with fibromyalgia, but it's, it was not uncommon. And so I'm talking about a group, about a thousand patients that we looked at and the, the diet, because you're in pain and because you don't feel well ever, it's kind of like having the flu every day. Um, the diet migrates towards what? What do we call it? Comfort food. Well, most people's comfort food, because there's also brain chemistry changes that are, you know, make you feel better temporarily, morphs into a lot of sugar and a lot of, a lot of the bad end of the fat spectrum. So kind of junky fats and sugar. And so people are eating, you know, a lot of simple carbohydrates. They're eating a lot of high sugar foods and not only do they gain weight, but remember that inflammation thing when you eat the, you know, when the glycemic load is high and you get a lot of these sugars quickly, insulin gets put out naturally. And then we'll talk lots about insulin next week, but naturally insulin gets put out and it runs around and the insulin that's not used to put your sugar away becomes inflammatory. And so we had, and, and this person, uh, this, I, I could repeat this story. Almost 800 times out of the thousand people. But this, this one was the most remarkable. Young woman comes in, she's diagnosed with fibromyalgia, she's tired, she's, you know, she's still working, but she's hurting, your joints are swelling, uh, she's, she's getting low blood pressure and passing out and all this stuff. And, and we start going through everything and there's other lab things that we've talked about we test for and other diseases and things to go with it. But, but on her, I was doing her history and, and I said, so tell me about an average day what you eat. And, and I, and we got to the end of the three meals and I said, how about snacks? We wrote get down. And I looked and I thought, wow, you know, this is about 80% um, baked goods, you know, wheat, grain based things. Uh, and about 20% all the other nutrients, you know, fats and proteins and s- stuff like that. And I said, oh boy, I bet. Not only is she getting this high glycemic load, but I bet she's also sensitive to, you know, gluten or the grains or something like that. And so, um, we did some testing and sure enough, she was very sensitive to gluten and all, but also there was just the sugar issue and she'd gained 40 pounds over the last three years. And so when she came in for a follow up, I, I, we went through everything. I said, okay, we got to take care of a couple of these other things that aren't working right. But I said, I I don't know how up for this you're going to be but you're going to have to do it no matter what and that's your your diet's really got to radically change because number 1 you're very sensitive to all these grains you're eating and all this high kind of sugar food your blood sugar's trending up and I said in and, and be your your weight gain is related to this and probably your inflammation and she was um a very compliant patient. So what she did is she said, all right, if, you know what? I, I, I'm tired of feeling sick. I'm young. And she was literally maybe 29 years old. So young person. Um, she says, I, I hate the weight gain. I hate hurting all the time. I hate being tired all the time. Um, I'll give it a try. And I, I said, okay, now one thing you got to remember is, when you radically change your diet, the first month, it's like somebody going off of a drug when they're in detox. I said, your body's going to tell you this is wrong and bad. So you you got to remember that. And she's okay. I got that. And I said, the next thing is you're not going to feel so great in the first days because it literally is like detoxing from being on a substance like a drug. Okay. All right. I got that. And then I said, the next thing is the weight loss associated with changing your diet when, when you have all this inflammation doesn't start until the inflammation goes away. So that can be one, two or three months from now. And she says, I don't like that. And I said, well, that's just the way it works, but I, I want to warn you, you know, so you don't get discouraged because it, you can't, it's not a microwave sort of a treatment. So she's all right. So we started the other treatments with her and she changed her diet. And I was seeing her about three weeks later and she just, yeah, you're right. You know, it's kind of like coming off drugs, but, but I, you know, I'm, I'm changing my diet the way you said, I'm eating more vegetables and all this. And okay. I said, how are you feeling? Oh, kind of tired and sluggish still. And my joints still hurt about six weeks in. She started to say, well, you know, I haven't lost any weight, but I actually don't feel quite as tired and, and some of my digestive problems I was having have gone away. I said, all right, well, let's keep going. Uh, so we hit about month three, and she's, she's lost a couple of pounds, and she's feeling better, and she says, you know what? I don't wake up in pain every day. I don't exist in pain every day, and I actually have some energy. All right, well, let's keep going, you know, and, and we're managing other things, but the diet was really about 75% of what we were working on with her. And around month four, she starts to lose weight. And that's what I told her. I said, once the inflammation finally goes down, which you see uh, as evidenced by I'm not hurting all the time anymore. My joints don't hurt, all that stuff. So she starts to uh, feel better, and then the weight starts to just – she's not eating any different now because she already changed her diet four months ago. So she doesn't even remember changing her diet at this point. And it's a habit, it's a new habit to eat differently. And so what she starts having is she starts just losing weight and losing weight and losing weight. Now she's getting freaked out. She comes in at six months and so she comes in at six months and she says, uh, I've lost 20 pounds and is this okay? And I said, yeah, no, it's fine. You've lost the inflammation. You've changed your diet. Now your body is going to burn up the extra fat that you put on. Cause remember she gained 40 pounds. So I, I just I just saw her. It's been about three years, and an associate of mine is uh, is uh, taking care of this person, and uh, and uh, she had continued to lose weight and got down to uh, her essentially her high school weight, uh, which was you know ten years prior to when she had come in, and she looked like a totally different person. She wasn't all puffing and inflamed, and she basically feels normal, and it was all. Um, as I said, 75% of her treatment was actually changing her diet away from this very high glycemic load, high sugar, high insulin diet to a high vegetable, good protein, good fat diet, um, and it made a huge difference. Now, did it work the next day? No, and that's one of the things, you know, we get discouraged when things don't change tomorrow because, you know, I, I changed my diet, diet today, right? Well that 's what you got to remember if you 're thinking about this or you 're helping the you know a family member go through this. I always tell people because it 's happened to me and i 've seen it with everybody else i 've ever worked with is a diet change sometimes will the the older we get too a diet change can literally take six months before your body fully accepts it, and most people don 't have the uh the will to will themselves through for that long. So you gotta have, you know, a buddy or somebody you're accountable to or somebody you're working with or or if you if your doctor, you know, is coaching you through it, you gotta go back and see them. And just, you know, you gotta stay in the game. And then once it starts happening, it's almost like a switch turns on and you start feeling better. Okay, I'm Doctor Paul Anderson. This is Medicine Help Doctor Paul Anderson. It's been my pleasure speaking with you today. We'll see you next week.
1: You've been listening to Medicine and Health with your host, Dr. Paul Anderson. Visit the clinic website at the number one, dot onecom or call the clinic at 206-629-2186.